Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here and I'm so blessed and grateful to be sitting with my friend, Ryan Gibson. Ryan, how are you, sir? Good. How are you doing, Tyler? Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm doing fantastic. It's a Friday afternoon. We're having a fun discussion and uh, I have no doubt it's going to be an amazing time together. So thanks again for spending some time with me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having Abs- me on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, I want to welcome Elevate Nation back because it's time to take it to another level. And I want to welcome you back because our mission is to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And this is the show we're going to dive into that mindset. We're going to dive into the habits, routines, the systems, tools, strategies, and so, so much more from those who are elevating to a life without limits. So you can do the same for yourself. And I want to remind you that this is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing and ultimately in their lives. And in terms of a little bit of a housekeeping here, if you're enjoying this show, please hit that subscribe button. Uh, you know, share this with a friend, give us a rating or review, give us some specifics on what are you implementing in your own life and your own real estate business to elevate to a life without limits. And so uh, we certainly would be super grateful for that. But while we're here, I, I want to dive in. I want to introduce you to Ryan Gibson, who is the chief investment officer and the co-founder of Spartan Investment Group. He has organized over $21 million of private equity for Spartan's projects. Ryan has experience managing development of Spartan Investment Group's projects in challenging markets. For Spartan Investment Group, Ryan is responsible for investor relations and capital raises for projects, and he's also a highly experienced commercial airline pilot. Ryan graduated from Mercyhurst University with a bachelor's degree in business with concentrations in marketing, management, and advertising. And Ryan, I know that this is really only scratching the surface of who you are as a professional and, and, you know, obviously as a man. So I'd love to know who is Ryan Gibson, the man behind the bio. (laughs) Uh, Thanks Tyler. Yeah. So um, I am the person who's had like 25 jobs pushing the lawnmower around my neighborhood when I was nine years old to knock on people's doors to, you know, get 10 bucks to cut the grass. Um, I have been pretty much working, um, working is my fuel. And, you know, when I do, the more that I do, the more energized I get, the more people I talk to, the more energized I get. And, um, you know, and the more I can help other people, uh, really helps me thrive as well and feel a sense of accomplishment. So, um, you know, my history has been littered with, you know, coaching gigs, mentoring, helping other people, you know, get what they want. And, um, you know, just working really, really hard. So working is your fuel. So was it always <laughs> that way? I mean, you know, because m- most people, like most kids growing up, they're like, you know, like, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> let's play some video games. Let's hang out. I mean, was that ever you? I definitely like to do that. Um, but I'm just way more interested in just getting out there and getting after it, making money. Um, and, uh, you know, over the years, I've just found that, you know, it's really not about the money for me. It's just about the pursuit and the hunt to get to, um, you know, what I want, you know, it's, it's, you know, getting, 
you know, building a big project or building a company or just kind of helping myself uh, be more influenced um, by surrounding myself with better people. Um, and, you know, right now as a snapshot in life, you know, my focus is not on deals. It's not on, um, you know, the next transaction or making the next dollars. It's just finding the best people I can surround myself with and um, just focusing on high quality relationships because, you know, my entry to the business in real estate was littered with disasters. Um, and just, <laughs> and that pretty much was attested to just working with the wrong people. Um, and really just wanting to do a deal and, and working with bad people. And, and, uh, you know, and, and I think the reason why we've been able to grow so much in the last, uh, you know, year or so is because we've just, we've just focused on people and we focused on our team. So that's been really helpful. Well, I want to come back to the, the fact that you mentioned that your entrance into real estate was littered with disasters because I know many can relate to that and many you know have had challenges as they come up throughout the real estate business and, and just building a business in general, it can be extremely challenging and many different landmines you know, throughout the way. But I want to come back to that. But before we do that, I want to make sure that we kind of dive into this, you know, working is my fuel thing and, and how it energizes <laughs> you so much. You know, yeah. was there... Could you look back to a time and say, hey, you know, as a kid, you know, there was a moment where I, I identified this entrepreneurial spirit. And if so, what was that? And then um, what kind of, you know, how did that feel as a child? I mean, was it a discovery process for you? Yeah, sixth grade. Um, actually, I think it was fourth grade. Um, there was a, a parent of one of the teachers or a parent of one of the, the kids I was in class with um, who came in and he talked about how to set goals. And he's like, this is, you know, you, you, you have this vision, you have this objective and, you know, you, this is what you want and you, you know, you make it measurable, achievable, attainable, all that. Right. I and said I was miserable for a second. Oh, measurable, measurable, measurable. measurable yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the teacher had us write down what our goals were and it was cool. There was like short-term goals, mid-term and like long-term goals and I'll never forget writing down, I really wanted to get into Orchard Lake St. Mary's, which is the high school I went to, which, um, you know, required an interest exam and, you know, some testing, um, which I did just fine on. It ultimately wasn't a big deal. But my midterm goal was to buy a go-kart. You know, that was just something that, hmm. you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up and I really wanted to uh, have this go-kart. It's what I wanted to do in the summer, right? Uh, I love driving things. I love cars and, you know, flying airplanes, things like that. So, um, I was like, okay, go kart 600 bucks. How do I, how do I get the money? Right. And so, um, that night I went home to my room and I like gathered up all my toys and I'm like, all right, I can get like a hundred bucks for all these toys, you know, <laughs> to start. To start. <laughs> and if I had eBay or, or the internet at the time, I probably would have figured that out pretty quickly. You know, like the Gary Vandercheck, like, you know, mm -hmm. buy a bunch of Hot Wheels at a garage sale, right? Resell them. Yeah. I mean, it was just so intuitive to me to just put all my focus on just accomplishing my goals. And so the pursuit and the work was just, um, you know, it wasn't work to me. It was just like, hey, I'm going to buy this stinking go-kart and it's going to be so rewarding when I get it. Um, so I started cutting grass and then you know, it, was just, it was just easy. And, you know, I think, you know, one thing that people really liked was, you know, I'd go knock on the door and I'm like this like fifth grader, you know, and I'm like, Hey, can I cut your grass for 10 bucks? I mean, if that happened to me today, I'd be like, hell yeah, you can. I mean, yeah. 
have seeing a kid with that kind of motivation, you know, was so inspiring for other people. And I would tell them, Hey, my goal is to buy this thing. And they would just be like even more excited about helping me. Um, you know, I know this is kind of a funny story, you know, cause like when I was a little kid, but I love it. And you know, when I was in high school, you know, I really wanted to be an airline pilot. And so, um, you know, I found this job, uh, selling Cutco knives. I know it's kind of a goofy thing. Um, but vet, vector marketing, you know, trained you how to do a sales presentation and you just had to do a, a sales presentation. You get 1450 and it didn't matter if you sold or didn't sell, right? You just present the product and you set the appointment and you're, you're going to get paid no matter what. So with that kind of uh, framework in mind, it was like, this is going to be great. So it taught me how to build rapport with people. Um, and remembering my experience with cutting grass and showing people, sharing my goals with people and that really helping them kind of be inspired and inspire me. Um, you know, I had a prospectus that I opened and I said, this is my goal. My dream is to be an airline pilot. And, you know, with you having me over to your house to show you this knife presentation, it's helping me get to that, you know, mm -hmm. that, that would just, you know, there was so much cool alignment with that. So that summer, I, I don't know, I sold like six figures or something like that of knives and paid for all my flight training with cash. And so, I mean, it just was so, you know, I, people could hear my passion and they could go, okay, you know, this is amazing. Like I want to refer this kid to like all these different people. And so that's how I kept my appointments going all summer. You know, there was a week where I did nine appointments a day and my, um, you know, I have to credit my supervisor. He was, he knew how to inspire me. He sat me down. He said, Hey, how, you know, what do you want? If, if you could sell $10,000 in a week, what would help you be like the shining star for that? And there was this goofy GPS system um, that I wanted to buy that was like a thousand bucks. And so I said, I, I really want that. He goes, okay, I'll buy that for you if you sell $10,000 know, worth of knives this week. And so I, I think just having goals is so important. And, and really, you know, people talk about vision boards. I guess it was like the, the modern vision board at the time. You know, where do you want to be? Um, you know, and then what do you want out of life and, you know, financial, um, personal, you know, whatever it might be, if it's, you know, obtaining enough money to pay for pilot training to be an airline pilot, or if it's 600 bucks to buy a go-kart so you can like have a blast in the summertime, you know, whatever gets you excited. Um, you know, I think you should set that goal and then it's just, it's just effortless to get there. Um, and then just, you know, I think the tweak to that in today's world is, um, you know, leveraging a business to help you get there. And so I kind of view, you know, Spartan Investment Group as a business more than a, more than a, I'm out there trying to find my next property or my next deal. Um, and so that's really been helpful, you know, kind of bringing to today, um, you know, and, and, and then putting the right people in place to do that. That's been kind of our, our main objective. So are you someone who's seriously looking to elevate your life? your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal opportunities, your access to opportunities, your network this year. Well, if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com because I'm currently opening up a few coaching spots for people like you who want to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be and really, you know, expand that beyond your wildest dreams and explode your business, explode your deal opportunities, explode your vision for what you're looking to create. If that's you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I really have to tell you that this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive. They're committed. They're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to get to where they want to be and to live a life 
without limits, to elevate to a life without limits, which is really what we're all about on this show. If that is you, again, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. Yeah, I mean, anything you do in business or in real estate or as a kid trying to get a go-kart, it's what's the vehicle <laughs> to get me to the outcome, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, it's what's the strategy, you know, what's the pursuit, what's the commitment on a consistent basis to get there and focusing on that outcome is so huge. And I just, I asked that question because it's like, I always want to remind myself and others, it's like, where did this creativity come from? You yeah. start to get creative and create these vehicles because you want an outcome, you know, and then as you grow older, it's like, well, you know, I've got a goal to have a certain amount of passive income in my life. And, you know, real estate seems interesting to me. And so, you know, you, you, you remind yourself of, Hey, I was in sixth grade and I, I what did I do to get that, you know, <laughs> to get that go card? I just find it to be so fascinating. And, you know, I'd love to, you know, kind of fast forward to today. And as we, I want to talk about the disasters as you kind of <laughs> walk through in real estate, right. but, you know, tell me about that. Also, I want to know, you know, transitioning, it sounds like from a commercial airline pilot into real estate as well. What was the thought process there first? Yeah. So tra the transition, um, you know, I still fly very, very, very part-time. Um, but the, the transition was, um, you know, I'll never forget, you know, I accomplished my goal of being an airline pilot and I'll never forget the first lay layovers in White Plains, New York. And, um, you know, we land and we get on the crew van and we go to the hotel and we get to the room and I sit down and I go, and the room was real quiet and I'm like, okay, so now what do I do for the next 16 hours? You know, I'm like, man, I want to be making money. You know, how do I, how do I turn this like layover into a, you know, a revenue generating business? Um, you know, of course I got to, I have to sleep and exercise and go out with the crew and, you know, get dinner and stuff. But, you know, how do I like take advantage of this downtime? So my mind just started racing with, you know, you know, I, you know, I could start a business, I could do real estate, I could, you know, be a consultant. So I did, I, I was a consultant for a few years uh, for the uh, FAA as a, you know, kind of a contractor. Um, so I spent a lot of my downtime um, over the, you know, in the hotels, you know, working on consulting reports and things like that. But really, um, I read Cashflow Quadrant, you know, on a layover. And I'm sure everybody reads that. It's like, you know, I was thinking, wow, I've been an employee. This consulting thing is self-employment. I'm, I'm straight up just exchanging my time for my money. I have to put in an hour of consulting to get an hour of pay, right? And that's not where I want to be. I want to be on the I quadrant where I'm an investor or I want to be on the B where I'm a business owner. And so, you know, I started, it just got me in the mindset of like, okay, um, I have to sunset this consulting, you know, I have to, I have to build a business, you know, because the tweak to, you know, getting the $600 to do, to, to buy the go-kart, if I could go back in time and tell my sixth grade year old self what to do, I would say, don't cut all these grass, you know, don't cut the lawns you know, go get all your friends to work for you, <laughs> you know, because they all want to cut grass. You do the business development. You go knock on all the doors, right? You go take a line of credit and buy a bunch of lawnmowers, you know, and you know, that's what you should be doing. And you should be, you know, building the company and taking it to the next level. That's what, that's what Spartan has done for us is, you know, we're a almost 25 person company now. And it's, you know, how do we get the right people working for us and, um, you know, leverage, you know, the, a team 
um, to really get into the B quadrant on of cash flow quadrant, right? And um, you know, I haven't really become a, that much of a passive investor yet. You know, I have invested in seven different syndications um, outside of my company, uh, but that's kind of the the idea, right? Is to you know eventually you know sell the business or build a huge business and then become passive. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I know that um, the whole concept of the cash flow quadrant is such a punch in the gut when you're on the wrong side of that <laughs> quadrant. I know it was for me. And, you know, as yeah. I continue to study, you know, the, the the work of Robert Kiyosaki, you start to learn, well, it's, you know what, this is a process. So don't get too down on yourself as you kind sure. of go through this process. But you know, creating those vehicles. But tell me about, you know, as you started creating that transition from an employee and a consultant, maybe self-employed to a certain degree, then to a business owner and investor, talk to me about how it was littered with disasters and how did you handle that? Yeah. So, you know, there was never any financial disasters, thank God. And I think I really, you know, attribute that to a good person that I work with. And that's the co-founder of Spartans, Scott Lewis. Um, he had a great mindset that, you know, Hey, we have really good full-time jobs. We don't need to just jump into any deal and do any deal that doesn't make sense. Because usually when you lose money in real estate, two things happens, you know, you buy a bad deal. So the deals, you know, failed from the financial numbers. And then the other part of it is you, you operate it incorrectly. So, um, if you're new, you're going to make mistakes. So your pro forma is garbage. Just throw it in the trash. (laughs) It, it, even the best developers and the most experienced people are going to make mistakes. Wait a minute. So, so the chief investment <laughs> officer is telling me the pro forma is garbage. This must yep. be true. Oh my gosh. All right. Okay. Yep. The pro forma is just that it's just a pro forma, right? So it's a guess. Uh, it's a guess. Yep. And you're pretty much assured to never hit it. And if you do hit it, you're lucky. Um, you know, we've always exceeded them typically. There's a couple times where we haven't. We've fallen a little bit short, but people still made money. Um, but generally, we always exceed them. But different things happen. You know, you, you know, the project costs more, but then you earn more. You know, the project is supposed to take 12 months and it takes 24 months. But the time difference is made up through higher revenue earned from the project. You know, there's always something that happens. It doesn't mean it just because you don't hit a pro forma doesn't make it worse. Um, but you know, the transition, uh, was, you know, hiring the wrong contractor. It was, um, you know, making mistakes along the way. It was not having good contracts with people. It was, uh, partnering with the wrong people, frankly. Um, it wasn't raising money fast enough. You know, if I would have known about capital raising right from the start, I would have never, um, kind of gone the path that we did. You know, I would have raised money sooner in the, in the, uh, in the business relationship and done more deals. Um, so, you know, there's just, there's a lot of different, you know, you know, but we had projects catch on fire. We had projects flood. We had, um, you know, we had projects take longer than they're expected. We've had red tape projects, but I wouldn't trade any of those mistakes for anything. I mean, though, those mistakes are what make me incredibly and make our team incredibly more savvy going into more deals. You know, if it, I mean, imagine, you know, we did a million dollar deal that we made a bunch of mistakes on, um, on a, on a, on a uh, condo project. And it was a, it was a very strong ground up development condo construction project. I probably made every mistake you could make. Um, but I'm really glad I did because it was only a million dollars and we ended up making a bunch of money. Right. And now we're doing a $12 million project. We have two $12 million ground up construction projects and I am 
way better off by having made a ton of mistakes on a million dollar project before I, you know, go off and do a, a good project. You know, I was just talking to my uh, business partner the other day about this and he's like, you know, the, the three people, the three principals at Spartan, Scott Lewis, Ben Lapidus, and myself, we all come from a, from a mistake ridden real estate background. And I think that's what we love about working with each other is everybody's made all these mistakes. So when we get together as a team, our due diligence is impressive because we all know that we know this can go really bad and how it can case scenario. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, we've turned down a lot of deals and we've really um, retraded a lot of deals when we're buying a project uh, on price or on terms or on extensions or whatever, because we know that, Hey, no, that is a big deal. You need to, you need to like figure out what that easement really means, or you need to get that number or that study or that inspection. Because if you don't, this is the disaster that happened to me. <laughs> you know, I've already, I've already made that mistake. I don't need to make it again. Um, so that's actually produced about a 680 point due diligence checklist that we have for every single deal. And it grows by 50 to 100 lines every single time we do another project because we learn more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think if you do a deal and you make a bunch of money and everything goes pretty well, um, you're lucky, A. And B, you know, it's, you didn't learn anything. So Maybe you're, you're not lucky because of the <laughs> yeah, learning, right? There you go. Yeah, good, good point. You're probably not lucky because you didn't learn enough to know what really can go badly. Um, you know, and you just never want to use hubris when you're dealing with real estate because it's, if it can go wrong, it will, Mm -hmm. and you have to just be prepared for it. Yeah. And it's, it almost seems like a little bit of a rite of passage, you know, so to speak, to, to go through the pain of mistakes and disasters. I know that I've felt those same disasters as well, and maybe not the exact same, but in a different way. And I think it goes back to, you know, if you're going to take action, there's going to be challenges on that path. Right. And you have to expect it and you just say, all right, well, how do we face the brutal facts, so to speak? It's like, let's not hide, let's not put our head in the sand. Let's just face it, confront it and overcome it and then create, you know, mechanisms that can then cause us to succeed in the future, you know, such as developing a 680 point due diligence (laughs) checklist or whatever that may be. Um, I just find it so interesting. Um, And, you know, also you learn those lessons so much more when they actually hit your pocketbook and when they hit you know, you financially or your partners or whatever it may be rather than reading it in a book. So you want to take action, but I do think there's a lot of value also in taking action, perhaps on a smaller scale as you grow. So it's not, you know, something that's going to put you out of the game. Would you, would you agree with that, Ryan? Absolutely. I agree with that. And you know, one, one disaster that I wanted to highlight was our first purchase of a commercial cash flowing asset. The bank pulled the loan on us. They were going to give us a loan they pulled the loan on us three days before we were supposed to close. And, um, but I'll tell you what, that was a disaster, right? We, I mean, we had earnest money, we had inspections that we paid for, we had all kinds of things going into that. And you could sit there and say, Oh, you know, boohoo or whatever. But you know what it taught us? It taught us how to raise money on a private debt note. So what we did was we went back to our investor network. We put together a fractionalized deed of trust and we put together private debt. So we actually raised our own bank bank loan, um, you know, for that asset, and we saved the deal. Now uh, we just closed another deal uh, where we had a project under contract that we didn't. It was too small for a portfolio, and we wholesaled it to another uh, storage operator, 
made a nice little profit on the on the spread. And that uh, buyer didn't have financing lined up in time. So we said, hey, we'll give you a bridge loan uh, for the, you know, for the time that you need to get the property refinanced. We closed that transactions because we learned from that, mis- from that problem that happened to us. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about this business. Every single day, it's something else. You know, I, I don't even, it doesn't even phase me. I mean, we had four RVs catch on fire last week. You know, we had, you know, we found somebody living in a storage unit. We had a, you know, we've had, you don't live you know, in a storage unit. I live in one. <laughs> Wait a minute. So, I'm not I mean, it's to live in the Spartan investor, uh, you know, storage unit there. Please okay. do not do that. Uh, no. So, I mean, we, there's something, every, you know, every day the bank changes their terms, the, the, you know, the occupancy decreases, yep. you know, there's delays. I mean, there, you know, and so I think that's what I like about it so much is like building a team that is capable of handling all those problems as they come up and it just becoming like a way of life, you know, how to deal yep. with your, how to deal with your problems. There was someone at the best ever conference that told me they go, he goes, how are you doing this morning? I said, good. He goes, good, because it only gets worse from here on out. Oh my you know, God. When you, when you wake up in the morning, everything has to be really, really good because the rest of the day, it only can get worse. So oh if you wake God. up and you have a crappy attitude, you might as well change it because it's only going to get worse. And I was like, okay, I can, okay, all right. <laughs> so when you wake okay. up in the morning, it's like, hey, be happy because it's like you said, you're going to check your email and something's going to happen. You're going to get a phone call. Something's going to happen. Right. Um, anyway. I mean, that's why I think it's so important to cultivate the appropriate mindset as an investor, because it can be so challenging and there's so many things to anticipate. There's so many, you know, unexpected to expect, so to speak, you know, but at the same time, to realize that there's a solution for everything. You can be resourceful and you can actually solve every challenge if you're resourceful enough. Um, yep. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know if I totally agree with the thought of, hey, everything's worse from here on out. Every <laughs> I don't know if I'd like to wake up. Well, it's one it's one way of looking at it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It, How do you frame that, right? It's like, right, okay, right. you've yeah. got to start from the right perspective to realize that, you know what? Hey, it's great. Everything's fine. We have a solution for everything. Uh, but you know, here, here we go. Like, let's go into the gauntlet. Right. I mean, how, how did you take that advice? What did you see from that? You know, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I just kind of, it just, what I took away was when you wake up, don't, don't like get some positivity going on, you know, get in the mindset of like, okay, how am I going to tackle challenges and, you know, you know, start from a good place, you know, Mm -hmm. so don't, don't start from in the dumps, you know, that's, that's no way to start a day. Uh, yeah. that's kind of what I took from it. I was well, and you, it. Yeah. It's interesting because you have to be conscious about that. You know, as you wake up in the morning, it's like, you know, you haven't had a drink of water in eight hours and you know, right. you're, you're hunched <laughs> over and your, your breath is low. So your body is telling you all these negative things, right. And your mind sure. is saying, man, today's going to suck or whatever it may be. So how do you handle that? I mean, is that just something that you have developed a habit towards, you know, being resourceful and mindful about that? Yeah, I feel like if I get up really early in the morning, I usually try to get up between 4.30 and 5.30. Um, I can better tackle the day and be ready to sort of accept the people in my life that are in my life, um, particularly my, my kids. Um, you know, I like giving up really early because I can get some stuff done. I can get my coffee. I can, you know, I can answer a bunch of emails. Um, you know, I use a, a productivity tool called Boomerang, which delays emails. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind like emailing people at four o'clock in the morning and thinking I'm, you know, crazy. Plus I don't want people responding, you know, I just kind of <laughs> yeah. want to deal with what I want to deal with. Right. For sure. 
it boomerang also lets you pause your inbox, which is really, really great for the, for the distracted mindset, <laughs> which is me. Yeah, um, all of us are. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, so I like to just get my inbox cleaned out. I like to, you know, kind of eat breakfast and then, you know, I like to be sort of showered, ready to go for when uh, my daughter wakes up and my family wakes up because, you know, it allows me just to be a little bit better. Um, I don't know, just, just happier, you know, to, mm-hmm. and then, you know, and then they get off to school or whatever. And then, you know, it, it, it then, and then I'm sort of like ready for the hits to come, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've had some happiness. I've got some stuff done. I've been productive and then, okay, all right, what do you got for me today? World, you know, okay. You know, fire at a property, you know, had to, you know, hire a new employee or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, it just makes the day go by a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as corny and as kind of somewhat feeling mainstream as it is now, it's like, if you win the morning, you can win the day, right? And if yes. you can win yep. the week, you can win the month. If you know, it's like this momentum thing and I'm totally like you, it's like, if I can get up early in the morning and I can, you know, work on myself a little bit, everything else kind of works out and I'm, I'm more resourceful as an investor and as a connector or whatever I'm, you know, looking to accomplish that day. I don't know about you, but it sounds like you're in that boat as well. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I love it. So talk, I mean, we're talking about personal growth. I mean, so talk to me about, you know, uh, what other, you know, what other sort of investments do you make in yourself that you feel has set you apart? Um, I try to do one, one day a week to something for me. Um, I, uh, I'm in a men's basketball league. I like, that's like the most fun I have all week with, with that's my, awesome. you know, other friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's Tuesday night. It's just, you know, kind of cut loose. Um, I like that. Um, I, where I'm not afraid of reading, um, try to read a book every month on usually on audible. Um, I want to up that. I, I want to do more, um, more of that. I, um, you know, I listen to what my teammates have to say. We actually have a, a sync call every week and every team member is tasked with reading a book. Um, you know, every week is, is, you know, um, somebody else has to have a book that they kind of brief on. Uh, which I think is really cool because it kind of puts you on the hook to read something. And then, um, you know, it, we rotate, but you have to brief out the kind of the high notes of the book and, and create a discussion and deliberation. So um, our team kind of works together to help each other out. Uh, we also do um, uh, gratefuls on our sync calls every week. So we always start the call with um, uh, people going around the room and, you know, not everybody has to say something, but you just, it gives the opportunity to say, Hey, I'm really grateful for this person for helping me, get this task done. Um, you know, our mission at our company is to improve lives of real estate. So we always have a, um, you know, how, how have you completed the mission question at the beginning of our calls? Hmm. Um, and we say, Oh, you know, I helped this person buy their first house or I helped this investor set up a retirement account or whatever it was to help them improve their life. Um, so I think that's really helpful in, in growing and getting, you know, better, Cause you're just getting in a, fr- a mindset and a framework to like, Hey, how am I going to carry the mission out for the business this week and for the company? And how am I going to, um, you know, maybe be that person that someone says, Hey, I'm really grateful to Ryan because he did something for me on the call. Right. You're trying to make the, uh, you know, the, the board so to speak. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love systematizing like the accountability around not only personal growth, but professional achievement when it's, you know, asking the question of how are you supporting the mission today or how have you supported it recently? And I know that's not exactly the way that you've, you phrased it, but then also, no, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It, yeah. 
and also just thinking about, hey, what are we what are we grateful for, whether it's a team member or whatever it may be, and then strategizing and implementing sort of an ongoing system of, hey, what are you reading? What are you learning? And how can you share that with others, you know, not only in your team, but but otherwise. So it's like, what, what systems can you build in your life that are a consistent way for you to engage with others, whether you're professionally on their team or otherwise? And I don't know, I just, I have a lot of ideas now on this. So I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. <laughs> So talk yeah, to me yeah. Yeah, through, no problem. through this process. I mean, as you, as you've continued to grow as an investor and just as a professional and as a human being in general, I mean, has there been anything recently that you've learned that you've really changed your mind about drastically or I don't know, that's a, it's a yeah. risky question to ask, but I'm just curious. No, no. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, I always get the question, why do you raise money from other people? Don't you think you're going to have enough money of your own um, to just do these deals by yourself. Mm-hmm. I've never really had a good uh, philosophy on, on answering that question um, other than just my first, free, I did first, our first three projects we did with our own money and we ran out. Um, not in a bad way, but we just had all our money out on deals and then the fourth deal came and it was like, how do I raise money for this fourth deal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a really good deal. I really want to do it. Oh, I can raise money from other people. And, you know, the the philosophy that, uh, that somebody told me was imagine you have a million dollars in your bank account and you could do a deal for a million dollars and it would make you a million dollars. Well, your cash on cash return on that is a, is a hundred percent, right? And you take on all the risk and you get all the reward and all the profit. But let's say you went to a investor and said, Hey, would you invest a million dollars in this project? And I'll give you 20%. The investor goes, wow, sounds like a good deal, (laughs) right? (laughs) They give a million dollars. You get 800,000, they get 200,000, right? And you still have a million dollars in your bank to play with. And that million dollars in your bank, you're going to go hire a staff. You're going to go set up an office. You're going to go set up systems. And now instead of doing that one deal, you're going to do 20 deals. And they're all going to make a million dollars. And now you're going to have $20 million that you need to raise in capital. And then you're going to make 20 times 800,000 versus doing that one deal all by yourself. So I really think that, you know, probably in the last 12 months, I've really learned the power of partnerships. Partnerships build wealth. And that is how you get where you need to go. And I think everybody's operating out there in the mindset that I just want to be a lone wolf. I want to do this on my own. I want to, um, you know, I, I don't need investors. I'm just, I'm, you know, whatever. And, you know, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just, I think it's, you know, they're missing out on an opportunity to make a lot more money and build a, a, a bigger mousetrap. And, you know, mm-hmm. I always, you know, I always turn that question back on people and say, well, why is Amazon raising money from shareholders? You know, answer that question and, or, you know, investors, <laughs> you know, answer that question and you'll come up with the same answer that I just get, you know, that I'm, that I'm going to give. Right. So mm-hmm. um, that's been kind of a big thing that I've really kind of focused in on. And, and that has helped, you know, kind of open my mind to, you know, taking it a step further and you know, the profits that you earn from the deal, don't take them for your personal life. You know, you put them back in your company and you build out your ops team better, you build out your construction project management team better, you build out your systems better, right? 
and you continue to grow a business that can do more with the profits that it earns, right? And I know that's a very rudimentary way of looking at it, but it's just been a, um, I've not only conceptualized that, but now I've seen it be successful in the last 12 months. So you were not always of that mindset. You were always, you used to be, guy. it sounds like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a deal guy, you know, and, and just kind of, you know, embarrassed that I'm raising capital for a deal, you know, and it's like, no, you're, this is just what every business does in America. You know, this is what, you know, regulation D, you know, in the security exchange act of 1933 helped, you know, the, you know, the United States in small business grow. This is just normal. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's really helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the sound bites there is that partnerships build wealth. I thought that was, uh, you know, great and, and super, super wise to say, you know, how, how would you suggest that those who maybe have been a lone wolf in their real estate investing career thus far, and they've, they've experienced some success, but they, you know, maybe they're starting to come around to this thought and maybe they're starting to change their mind on the money raising side of things. What would you say to them as, as far as finding and locating the appropriate partner or uh, the appropriate an, partners. Yeah. So, I mean, from an invest, do you, you think from more of an investor side or do you think more of like a business partner side? I think, I think either way, I think maybe we'll talk okay. to the active investors as well as the passive investors. So I would listen in both cases, I would ask questions and listen to what the person says. So I always like to ask open-ended questions um, to hear what that person is interested in to see if it's a good fit for what you're trying to, you know, trying to uh, accomplish, you know, so if you go to somebody and you say, Hey, what are your, what's your investment goals? You know, what do you want to get out of life? Right. Really, really open-ended question. Yeah. <laughs> if they say, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to um, just take my money and invest it and I want to get a return. Um, well, that person might be great for passive investing. Um, you know, if they say, Hey, I want to build a business and have company and have employees and, and systems and processes, and I want to do this and, um, you know, really grow into something large, you know, you might have a good, um, a business partner, but really, I, you know, I think I look for two things. I look for grit and I look for values driven, uh, people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I need somebody who wants it, you know, as bad as I do, you know, somebody who, um, is going to you know, interrupt their vacation, interrupt their life, um, you know, put this as a priority. Um, and that's the type of person that I want to partner with. Um, you know, somebody who's not afraid to work through the night, someone who's not afraid to, um, you know, put their best effort forward and do it with, uh, an immense amount of integrity. Um, you know, I always used to say integrity is what you do when nobody's looking, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Doing the, doing the right thing when no one's looking. Um, and you know, those are the type of people I want to be surrounded by and the people who aren't that way, I want them to be out of my life immediately. Um, so, you know, I think the, you know, when you're looking for partners, um, that would be a big thing for me, um, integrity and just looking for the small cues that, um, you know, that, that would indicate that person has integrity or they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, such as how they, you know, their personal life, how they treat others, um, things like that. So, um, so I think passive and, you know, passive versus active, I think that's, you know, those are, those are good qualities. I mean, on the passive side, um, obviously, um, as a passive investor, they're not as really involved in your day to day as much. Um, I would just make sure that they are good partners in understanding that 
you are the general partner, that they are the limited member and they're okay with that. Um, and that, you know, make sure they ha- you, you understand their goals and make sure that you're fitting their goals with your project. So if they're a cash flow investor, like that ground up development deal we're doing is probably not a good idea because you're going to drive them crazy with no cash flow for four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, where if they're a cash flow investor and, you know, cash flows from day one, great, you know, great fit for you. Um, so. That's I great. Think I think uh, you're, you're speaking to the, uh, it's actually a really interesting way that you answer the question because general partners need to be thinking, you know, very deeply about who is exactly investing in their deal. Because I know that so many of us get, you know, so caught up in, Hey, well, we've got to raise the money. You know, they want to invest. They said they want to be in real estate. And really the answer of real estate is not the same across all the different vehicles that are out there. So I just thought there was a lot of wisdom in that. So I really appreciate that. And then the other question of, Hey, what is, what is it that you want out of life? And really the open-ended just concept of thinking through that question and maybe even building a longer term relationship surrounded around that type of question will help you build the appropriate partnerships and the appropriate team. And um, so, so that was great. Um, So Ryan, talk to me about, you know, yourself and your own kind of your own growth uh, as an individual, what are you, what would you say that you would point to right now that you're growing and getting better at kind of on a, on a consistent basis, 1% each day? Um, 1% each day, uh, habits are getting extremely better. So, you know, I think, you know, your motivation to get out there and do something is, is only just that. But when motivations, you know, are turned into habits, then it becomes effortless. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think just, you know, consistent wake up times, consistent bedtimes, consistent, um, you know, just scheduling time, um, you know, simple as, something as simple as my wife and I just started date night on Wednesdays. We're five weeks in a row, right? And it's like yesterday or this past week, um, it was really, really hard because we had so many things going on. We were both busy. She works in the business with me. Um, and I'm in the middle of two capital raises. Um, we just bought and sold a property. Uh, you know, the place is on fire with so much stuff to do. And it's date night. And so it's like, you know what? If it can't wait two hours, then we got bigger problems, right? So let's let's go and let's have date night, right? And I think just taking that time, it's just, yeah, it's, you know, you know just a time out in the busy life and just to talk and, um, really focus on, you know, your relationship, I think is something that um, I've gotten probably 1% better at in the last, um, you know, last recent time. Um, and just everything else that surrounds that, you know, I think, you know, being an airline pilot's hard to, it's, you know, it's the excuse is that it's hard to make good habits because you're not good habits, but just consistency because, you know, your schedule changes, right? You're flying the weekend or you're doing the red eye. Now you're doing the morning shift. Now you're doing the night shift. Um, you know, you're kind of all over the place, right? Uh, so just, you know, it's difficult. So just really focusing on just, you know, turning in your motivations into habits is really important. So I think a lot of people have that excuse that it's hard to build good habits and whatever it is that they do. You know, it's like, well, I'm so busy, you know, there's so many things coming at me. I I don't have time to create good habits. I've just got to, you know, I got to just run on this hamster wheel and take care of business. You know, what would you say to those folks? Yeah. You know, I hear myself saying that all the time and I've been, changing lately, catching myself saying that you're not too busy. Like you're, you're really not, you're not, nobody is too busy to take the time to do a bit. Busy is almost a form of like laziness. 
you know, like, oh, I'm, I mean, it is, it's, oh, I'm too bad. Oh, I, I, I can't focus on myself. I can't focus on my relationship. I can't focus on, you know, better physical fitness, which is something I need to focus on. <laughs> um, you know, something, you know, there's just excuses, you know, oh, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I can't, I can't make that or I can't do this. It's prioritization, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just getting a good balance, um, which really helps. I don't know who said this, but um, they said busy is like, it is a form of laziness and it's like indiscriminate action, right? Yep. That's right. You've got to be thinking about, well, what am I taking action on? You know, if you're just busy doing, 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 well, you know, are you really actually creating that outcome that you're looking for? Or are you just busy being busy? So, I mean, how are you discriminate with your action? How do you choose what to take action on and not what to not take action on? Uh, Well, I credit, you know, the business um, and my business partner for putting people in roles, you know, like we have a CEO, we have a CIO, we have a director of ops, we have a director of finance, we have a director of acquisitions, we have a director of business intelligence. So, you know, really, you know, we have a marketing person, an ops person, you know, all the stuff is just kind of falling into their own roles. So my focus in the business is on the investor side. And um, I think just knowing that that's my focus, you know, really helps me get into a consistent habits um, so kind of defining roles in your business is really, really helpful. I know that's again, a basic concept, mm-hmm. um, you know, but then just kind of thinking about your whole life and how, you know, if it's just work all the time, like you got it wrong, you know, you got it. Nobody can just work all the time. You know, I don't care who you are. You can't just work all the time. You've got to unplug here and there and you've got to do things that, you know, kind of take a break, you know? So it's like, you know, did I play video games as a kid? Like you asked earlier, of course I did, you know, but you know, just not 18 hours a day. <laughs> right. You know, right. Like you got to break it up. You got to have a little bit of fun here and there and you got to take time to take time, you know, make time to take time and that will make your life a lot better. Um, so this episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a real estate investment firm formed by myself and my partner, Brian Flaherty, where we invest in multifamily real estate communities across the Southeast United States. If you'd like to learn more about our approach, our mission, our acquisition criteria, and how you can learn more about future opportunities, visit cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com. Yeah, and it's like what you said earlier, if we can't wait two hours, and we've probably got bigger problems here, right? So you've got to build in time for the things that are important. And fun is important, you know, and, and living life is important. It's not just all about just grinding your life away. I mean, you know, the more fun you have, the more, you know, you can succeed as a real estate investor, whatever it may be, because you're just a more dynamic human being. So that really resonates with me. Uh, so Ryan, I want to transition. I know uh, into our rapid fire section. I know that this is uh, this conversation is a ton of fun and it's flying by for me. Um, but I wanted to discuss really. This is uh, this is called the rare air questionnaire, and this is because we're continuing to push the limits. Elevate's always about pushing the limits beyond what we thought we could accomplish. And, you know, we've scaled the mountaintop. We looked across, you know, the valley there and there's 10 more mountains and we're going to scale all of those and guarantee there will be more, you know, things to accomplish. But, you know, creating a life without limits isn't easy and many people give up along the way, but we will not. And so with that said, I'd love to know, you know, we've talked about some books, uh, but I'd be curious to know what are two or the two or three of the most impactful books that you've ever read? Um, I don't know if it's the most impactful, but I just finished uh, Richest Man in Babylon. That was a good book. It's a good one. Yeah. 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 And I just really liked um, the principles, like the operating principles of, of Babylon. I really liked that. That was kind of interesting. 
Um, I think it was like 12. Um, but the, uh, the thing that really resonated with me is like just dry, arid, desert climate, no riches, no, no um, advantage, um, middle of nowhere, you know, kind of a city that was just incredibly resourceful um, to get all the riches that anybody could ever want. And I think, you know, that's, for me, that's like, you know, I, when I look at, you know, living in the America or living in this world and, you know, making, you know, I just see people make so many excuses for themselves as to why they have to work really hard or why they don't have something they want. And it's like, no, you can make something out of anything. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. Um, you just have to use your, your brain and, you know, and get educated. And now in today's world, everybody has an iPhone from the poorest person in the, on the planet to the richest. Everybody's got one in their hand and every single one of them has a podcast app and every single one of them has a free, um, <laughs> you know, uh, library card app, you know, overdrive. You can connect that so to your true. library. You could consume books all the time. You can educate yourself, which is how I learned real estate. You know, I mean, it was listening to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of free, you know, podcasts. I didn't go to a 1099 weekend course with a $40,000, you know, coaching program. No offense to anybody who does that, you know, it's, but it's, you know, you don't need all that crap. You just need to just go on the internet and look at what you want. And I think that, you know, I think that book really like struck home because I, I, I love that concept. Mm -hmm. Um you know, we talked about cash flow quadrant, you know, everybody talks about rich dad, poor dad, but it really is a mindset changer. It's not going to tell you how to do with something, but it's just going to put you in the right uh, frame of mind. So um, I, I really enjoy the real estate guys radio podcast. Oh, uh, mostly. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's, uh, um, I know that's not a book. You asked for a book, but um, I do, uh, I did like, I do like listening to them because it's a good mindset to learn how to raise money. Um, and I just like listening to Russell Gray and Robert Helms. Um, I think they do a, they have a good, you know, kind of good back and forth. Um, so yeah, they're smart guys and, um, you know, always can learn so much, but, but to your point, I mean, the world, you know, there's so many resources out there and it's just a matter of how much, how committed are you, you know, how much do you really want it? Because it's all there waiting for you. How are you spending yep. your time? Obviously you want to have some fun. You want to schedule time to be fun and to relax and enjoy but also, you know, how are you developing yourself? You know, are you going to get the content? Or are you putting it in action? And so that's a great reminder for all of us. So Ryan, how do you elevate yourself on a daily basis? Would you say it's the number one reason or number one way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Oh, that's a great question. Coffee? Lots of coffee? <laughs> I can relate to that for sure. <laughs> I love that. You know what I, you know, it's funny. I actually to help me wake up, I set my timer on my coffee pot. So it's just smell. Comes. Smell it. yeah. Yes, exactly. So it's a little tip, a little tip to help you get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> I love it. Hey, coffee is a culture, man. It's, it's, it is. it's all about discussions. It's about, you know, learning something, but it is, yeah, it's definitely about practically let's, let's wake up here. Let's, let's, and, I, and I live in Seattle, so it's the best place for it. So absolutely <laughs> that or Italy. I don't know, man. I was in yeah, Italy. We got this, we got this place called Starbucks. It's pretty good. I've never heard of it. Never heard of that place. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. So how do you best elevate others around you on a daily basis? Um, I try to simplify things as much as possible. I think people want to make this real estate thing so complicated and I like to just dumb it down and make it really simple. Um, and I know that's, you know, I don't know if that's a great answer or not, but 
Um, I think, I think people appreciate, um, what I show them because I try to make it really simple. Um, I also am very open-minded to what people have when they make suggestions for me. And I think that's really helpful. Um, and then the last thing is communication. Uh, we're really, really good communicators. And, um, I just think that, you know, knowing how to communicate the frequency, the content, what to say, I think is, um, it, it helps people. Um, you know, I had a bad passive investing experience with another operator. So one of the things that we do at Spartan is we communicate monthly on all our projects and then quarterly on all of our financials on pro forma versus actual to, so they can see how we're doing. I mean, saying something's 98% occupied isn't really all that helpful if it was supposed to be a hundred percent. Well, how did you know that? Well, you know, you can't keep track, right? So we show pro forma versus actual. I think people really like that. So I just think just, you know, giving somebody a better experience when they invest, um, you know, really elevates them to want to continue doing this. And I think as capital raisers, you know, we have to be good stewards of our investor capital um, so that, you know, we continue to take money from Wall Street and get it onto Main Street investments, you know. So. That's awesome, man. So there's three great takeaways there. It's, you know, keep things simple. You know, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. And, you know, I think some people want to show that they're, you know, these big, bad, you know, wise, you know, intelligent <laughs> people by yeah. things overcomplicated. So it's a great takeaway. It's keep it simple and keep your communication simple, which is, you know, number three. But before we get there, it's, it's, it's remain open-minded, open-minded to the fact that, you know, you're working with someone that may have a different outcome than yourself in addition to so many different things, but then also, of course, communicate effectively and be transparent with what you do, whether you're a capital raiser or you're just a good human being trying to do the right thing. So yeah. I love that, man. And, and Ryan, man, this has been so much fun. Do you have any yeah. parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd share with Elevate Nation? Um, no, just, uh, you know, like I said earlier with the, the books and the podcast, I think it's just a great way to, you know, don't feel like you got to go out there and drop thousands and thousands of dollars on the next thing, right? It's, it's a lot of stuff's out there for free. I mean, the stupidest thing, you know, my daughter and I, um, she's three and she loves to draw, right? She wants, she wants to draw and I, I'm terrible. I don't know how to draw anything, but YouTube knows how to, you know? So it's like, what do you want to draw? I want to draw a dinosaur. It's like, okay, YouTube, how to draw a dinosaur. And then there we are, we're drawing a dinosaur together. Like you can learn whatever you want at your fingertips. I think one of the reasons why we're probably going to go through the biggest transformation of wealth in our history is because of the information that's at our fingertips. And you're just lazy if you don't use it, frankly. I mean, Absolutely. use it. It's right there. There's nothing in this world that you shouldn't know how to do because it's all on the internet. It's mm -hmm. all right there. It's all, it's all at your fingertips and um, just use the resources that, um, that you have. I, I think I read somewhere, somebody said, um, you know, imagine going back 120 years and showing them the iPhone and being like, look at this thing. It has everything in the world on it that you could ever want right here on this little phone. And then the person goes, well, what would you do with it? Or what do you guys do with it? Well, I post pictures of my food. You know? <laughs> it's depressing. <laughs> oh my God. And they're like, wow, you could know anything about the universe and you're, you use it to post pictures of your food. You know? <laughs> if you think about it, it's like, it's wow, true. that's kind of a, funny way of looking at it. You know, it's mm -hmm. like use, use the resources that you have available to you. And I'm not the best at it. I'm getting better at it. I try my best. Um, but that's, that'd be my parting thoughts. 
Love that, man. It, that's huge. And it's, it's, you know, you don't want to just be a consumer, you want to be a producer, right? So use, use that information, put it into action. And uh, very, very well said, Ryan, this has been a ton of fun, man. Really appreciate yeah. you taking time with us today. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah. Absolutely. So how can Elevate Nation stay engaged with you and following you along your path? Uh, yeah, our website spartan-investors.com. My email is ryan at spartan-investors.com. Uh, we, we post every day on Facebook. Uh, we usually do some inspirational stuff. We do some property level stuff. So follow us on Facebook, uh, Spartan Investment Group. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel. We post all of our property tours. We do monthly webinars. Um, if you just YouTube Spartan Investment Group, we're all on there. And you know we're on LinkedIn and Instagram and all the rest. So, uh, no, I don't think we're on TikTok, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten into TikTok yet. Um, maybe that's, maybe that's for the other generation that's coming up behind us. Maybe yeah, exactly. Better than we do. Who knows? That's awesome. Well, when you get a TikTok channel, let us know. We'll, we'll be sure to share, share that with everyone. But, uh, man, this has been so much fun. And, um, anybody who listens to Elevate always knows that I encourage repetition. You got to re-listen to the show, take some notes and put it into action. Use this information take massive action, you know, go ahead and find somebody else to hold you accountable. Who can you systematize and say, Hey, look, you know, what are you grateful for? And, and what are, you know, what are things that you've learned from, you know, information that you've been absorbing through podcasts, through books, through the internet of things or whatever it may be. And if you want to engage further with Ryan and his company, please do that. We're going to put a link in the show notes of how you can actually set up a call with Ryan to learn more about passive investing uh, and all that good stuff here in the show notes of the show. Uh, but with that said, Ryan, thank you again, man. Really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Tyler. Absolutely. Elevate Nation. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.